Like nothing kills good time like having to drop a a 14 minute brown shaz deluxe right 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 as you start being like oh i think i'm catching back up to good time welcome back to privy and happy new year i hope you were able to ring in 2022 uh, with with friends and loved ones i hope it's going to be a good year if, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for making us a part of your new year already. I hope that there's some some good and new things in store for the pod this year, but we'll get to that later. Um, but first, you know, I, I need to do a check-in. I think it's fair to do a check-in. So at the time of recording this episode, so I've been trying to be more active in using the, the Poop Log Tracker app, uh, which there's, there's going to be a full-blown... Uh, like craptastic apps segment on that in the future. It it's not here, but I've been trying to be more active on there. And what and what I'm learning about myself is number one, my the the scent of things has changed. And I don't and I you know I don't know if this is I don't think it was COVID related because I can still smell and taste other things, but it's just the scent profile has changed district distinctly. And I know I discussed in the past that I think it's due to Keurig K-Pods. I'm not sure. Like, besides just destroying the sea turtles or whatever, like, it might be changing the chemical makeup of what I'm doing. Um, and that's probably way more information than anybody needs. Yeah. Happy New Year, everyone. You know, this time of year, there's there's a lot of travel. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we travel... We go, and, and, and I, you know, we've talked before probably too much on the show about how, off, how often you have to stop on a road trip. And the thing is, while it can be a mad drag, like you, when you, you're just starting to put some good road behind you and then all of a sudden, like you got to stop and pull over and do that whole thing. Like I've complained enough about that. But sometimes when we travel, we go where no co- where no car has gone before. This guy uh way up there. Like where we where we're going, we can't where we're going, we don't need cars. We can't fly them at least because this isn't the Jetsons. And if you're in the sky, like way up there like it never really addresses on the Jetsons like what do they do if they have to go to the bathroom like I guess they would have like sky pit stops but in the real world in this reality the future that the Jetsons could have only dreamt of in their nightmares um there are no pit stops in the sky and so this week on Privy we're talking about airplane bathrooms. Ever since people have been taking road trips, the pit stop has been the bane of making good time and scheduled departures and arrivals. Like nothing kills good time like having to drop a 14-minute a, a brown shaz deluxe right, right, right as you start being like, oh, I think I'm catching back up to good time. Nope. I'm not going to complain about it anymore. We're moving on. 
But ever since people have been taking road trips, the pit stop has has halted things. And and with the creation of the porta potty or portable toilet, it, it was a it was the Little Mermaid whole new world of possibilities. Except for instead of growing feet and walking around on dry ground without our fish tail, now we can sling beef while on the go. The porta potty it changed things drastically. It made it more able to put a bathroom where there was no sewage line. But by nature, porta potties have been categorized as, again, standalone structures that you can go to to leave a deposit when it would not be convenient for you to find a plumbed amenity. But, but here's the deal. It, it doesn't move. Like, and so then the begins to beg the question, well, what, well, like, what, well, like, what, well, like, what if my vehicle had a toilet inside of it, one where you wouldn't have to stop, stop to drop? This notion is essentially the heart of airplane bathrooms. That and there isn't really an option to stop the plane mid-flight, so Tina Tiny Bladder can go pee again for the fifth time today. And she's still drinking complimentary soda. Like, stop it. Like, you've been up five times. Stop asking for a refill. You don't need it. You obviously are passing the liquid faster than you can get it inside of your body. So quit drinking fluids and you will pee less. No. In an airline, there is no pit stops. But before we strapped a crapper to the plane, things were a little more grim. In 1914, the first commercial airline flight took passengers from Tampa, Florida, to St. Petersburg, Florida. And as you imagine, the concept didn't, like, catch on as quick as you'd think. People had been locked to travel on the ground for some time, and... If the current state of things with, with changes to our culture is any uh, indicator, the concept of flying, that was for crazy people and scientists and strange inventors. Like, my, my mom used to tell us, I think it was her grandmother, but someone in my mom's family used to tell them that if God wanted us to fly, he'd give us wings. And I think that was probably the notion for a lot of these folks. But in 1914, it became for other people too. And when I say other people, I really mean it, mean it became for rich people because it was expensive to fly. And the planes didn't take very many people. Like we're talking double digits and not on the 50 side of double digits, on the other side of it. Airplanes didn't travel as high. So travel distances and times were much shorter. They took longer than they would today. And when I say again, like they, they in fact, the crazy thing is, here's the, here's the wild thing. They had radio broadcasts and simple short films put onto planes before they had placed a place to go on a ba- to the bathroom. Like radios and TVs made it onto planes before bathrooms did like onto commercial flights that were regularly used. But time moved forward. 
And as their air travel changed, people began experimenting how they might stick a toilet in the sky. Now, it's a bit of a loophole to say that the first aircraft to feature a toilet on it was the Caproni CA-60 in 1921. And, and, and I say it's a loophole for two reasons. Number one, this aircraft, quotes, was technically classified as a flying boat, which in looking is essentially like a seaplane, but big. And if you're a plane enthusiast out there and you're hearing me say that, you're probably pulling your hair out saying this simpleton thinks it's just a seaplane, but bigger. I mean, that's what it looks like. And that's basically the description. So, but I will also say like a seaplane was not made to be big. And so these things look just as ridiculous as they sound. Second loophole here is it crashed. So I can't like, you know, it had a bathroom, like it had a toilet on it, but like the thing crashed and burned. So like, I can't imagine the actual shape of the vessel had a lot to do with its success. Like, uh, I'll put a picture on this as privy social. It's pretty wild. Um, To think that they thought it was going to fly is another thing. To me, it looks like a Louisiana Manor, but built on three levels of wings. And before there were commercial aircrafts, this was the idea on the drawing board of flying boats. Later in 1928, Handu Page HP-42 airliner, also commissioned and funded by the Royal Air Force, was a four-engine biplane, and this is the largest airliner in use in the world for some time, and it was fitted with a toilet in the center of the plane, not the back or the front. The plane itself only hauled 28 people, including the flight crew of four. In the 1930s, the Royal Air Force built another vessel, uh, the Supermarine Stranraer, and it was another flying boat equipped with a toilet. The toilet was special, though, because it was an open-air ripper, and you would sling brown, and then they would do what you think every kid thinks turds do when they go to the bathroom on a plane. They flew right throughout the pot to open air on the other side. Could you imagine being the unlucky homie who gets hit with this deuce missile? Like, I'm sure they just didn't rip stew over anywhere, but like, because this craft was mostly used over water. But still, it's a, it's a wild thought. The open air chamber made the craft have a whistling sound. And it became known as, and this is, this is for historical accuracy. And so if, if you have listeners of the show who would like to avoid profanity, this is just the term of the aircraft. It was called the whistling shithouse. Later aircraft were given full porcelain flush toilets that either emptied out into open air or into a chamber down below. The water needed to flush created a weight and sloshing problem, neither of which you want when you are a thousand plus feet up in the air. In World War II, American and British aircrafts had chemical porta potty style toilets. These became known as bucket toilets. These toilets were gross, often overflowing and spilling during turbulence and otherwise creating a foul environment on the plane. Let me explain something. 
there's not much worse that I can think that could happen with a porta potty than for it to have to go through airplane turbulence. Like that just seems bad. They're so bad, in fact, that many, many of the bomber pilots and other crew on board of these planes elected to pee in bottles and then toss those overboard or poop in boxes and toss them out the plane rather than use these onboard amenities. Single craft planes at the time also had what they called relief tubes. So these are planes with just like room for the pilot. So these are small planes, which these relief tubes are exactly what they sound like. You pee into these and they're emptied out into the open air. The problem is, is often these pee tubes, the other end would freeze over. And so if you try to pee into it and it's frozen on the other end, the pee is not going to come out the other end and it's going to back up and it's going to back up into your cockpit. Oh, nope. Um, it's a bad situation. All in all, the aircraft continued to use some version of a chemical toilet with the super secret blue mystery juice we discussed in the porta potty episode to help kill the bacteria and other bad stuff. Another problem with these chemical toilets is they fill up much faster, often only being able to handle the leavings of about 12 people per plane trip. And we continued to use these sloshy, somewhat inefficient inefficient toilets until 1975. That's a long time. You know, and at this time in 1975, the vacuum flush toilet was patented for use in planes and it allowed them to eliminate solid and liquid residue from the basin with little to no water needed. They're lighter weight, less stinky, and less sloshy. Like, could you imagine? Like we said in the porta potty episode, the last thing you want with a porta potty is slosh. No slosh. N- Zero slosh for porta potties. And there are a number of pranks that involve rocking a porta potty with someone's in it. But that is awful bad news on a plane. But have no fear, because while the 1970s brought us hippies, tie dye, and blaze, it brought us the vacuum flush toilet as well. Vacuum sewers weren't new, though. If you didn't know, vacuum sewers have been around since the 1800s. A Dutch engineer named Charles Lierner, I did my best, gave negative pressure to drainage sewers in the late 1800s. Now, I'm going to science this one for you. Negative pressure is a fancy science way of saying it sucked. These systems weren't really implemented anywhere, like majorly. Like they existed and they were used for like places where like putting in plumbing would have been really difficult um, and other situations like that. But they really weren't like widely used until like the 1950s. And even then, they're, they're mostly on trains and sometimes a bus. But in the 70s, someone rigged one of these bad boys up to an airplane. And though more expensive to do maintenance on than the previously used chemical toilets, they're leagues cleaner and way more efficient for a thing in the sky. But this is not a history of vacuum toilets. We're going to get there. 
But this, this is a history of airline toilets. This suction has led to some old wives' tales about airline toilets. There's this myth uh, floating around years ago that a person could get stuck or, or even get sucked into an airline toilet if they flush it while they still have beefy cheek on the seat. Mythbusters myth-blasted this one, and they came down to the ruling that your rump would have to form a, quote, perfect seal with the toilet in order to accomplish this feat. Now, I'm trying to decide if it would take more butt surface area in order to accomplish this or less butt surface area and then, as a result, less variable to accomplish the perfect seal. I want to know if someone can get the perfect seal. That's That would be fun. But then, after that, and then as if to just to propagate the myth, they recommend, oh, but just in case you should stand before flushing anyway. Like, come on. And so, much like when we tried out the brown note, there's only one way to tell. And so, right now, I apologize for maybe poor recording quality here in just a moment. But but we need a real-time update regarding the airline bathroom use here. All right, what's up, y'all? This one's coming from a mile high up in the air. And uh, I'm going to flush it and see if I get stuck, so... Well, that was fun. It should be noted, it was small in there. <laughs> and that's because airline bathrooms are actually getting smaller. A report in 2017 stated that airline toilet spaces are going to be decreased by two inches. Now, normally I'd agree size doesn't matter. But, but when you're slinging cheek at 30,000 feet, those inches are important. Or if you're pregnant or disabled or need help, or like if you're a kid and you need an adult in there with you, you're already in a tight space. Give us the two inches. Two inches is all you need most of the time. That's all I'm saying. Uh, some bathrooms, often those installed by Boeing in their planes, have self-cleaning ultraviolet lights in the bathrooms. Airline bathrooms still have ashtrays, even though smoking is against the law because they just flat count on people who smoke to sneak a puff and would prefer them to have a safe place to tap out their ash rather than toss in the toilet where lives methane. But with all of these things said, and the history of airline toilets in our brain, we got to ask ourselves, how do we act with airline toilets? Like, what is the etiquette? As with most bathroom etiquette situation, it's first come, first serve. Uh, it's usually the best option. Like, the idea of forming a line is really good. But when there's not enough room for a line to form, like there often isn't on a plane, it can be really difficult. So you just kind of have to keep track of it in your brain. Like, keep the cue of who jumped up when in your brain. Go, okay, like, I'm after yellow shirt dude. Or I'm after green pants guy. Like, that's the easiest way to do it. And, and the other thing I want to say about the queue and the line is this. 
Don't be a dingus. If there are elders or pregnant folks or others who need to use the bathroom more, like kids, just let them go ahead of you. Like, if you really can't hold it that bad, I'm not going to knock you for it. But here's the deal. If you're just going to the bathroom because you feel like you have to go to the bathroom, let the elderly and pregnant ladies go first. Like, figure it out. Use your, use your muscles to make you not have to go. You know what I'm saying? Don't be a dingus. Be cool. Trust me. The person that is, is needing to go ahead of you and would have to ask, they, they like that experience of having to ask to go ahead of you so much less than you like the feeling of them going ahead of you. Like it's awful to have to go like, hey, sir or ma'am, I really can't control my bladder right this moment, and I really need to go ahead of you. Nobody likes that. So just be cool and and just offer it to them. If someone from your row on the plane needs to go to the bathroom, it's safe to try and use the opportunity to go shelf. You go yourself. But always let the window use the bathroom first as they're going to need to climb back into their seat once they've relieved themselves. Next, as with all bathrooms, Clean up your mess. If you sprinkle when you tinkle, and if you don't know the rest, it's on you. Be a sweetie and wipe the freaking CD, man. It's an airplane. It's not hard. Nobody wants to go use the bathroom on an airplane and get Tina Tiny Bladder whiz on the seat. Just clean it up. Wipe it up. It's going to slow down the whole bathroom line that we just talked about if they have to clean up after you when you're done. Unlike a normal bathroom situation where you're allowed to take the time you need because there's more than one stall, airlines often only have one suction pot, so be quick. And it's recommended if someone's time in the bathroom exceeds 10 minutes, it is appropriate and actually recommended that you let a flight attendant know because then they can knock and see if the person's okay. Because the last thing you want is for somebody to be having a medical emergency inside the bathroom that the flight attendants don't know about. The biggest and most major tip regarding airplane bathrooms is this. Just don't use them. Like, do your foul deeds in the airport terminal before boarding. And I know it's never going to work out perfectly. I know we're going to have to use airline toilets. But like, like just, just try not to. I just took a six-hour flight, and it was as long as you think it would be. And it needs to be said, and it shouldn't, but it does need to be. Don't smoke on a plane. Like, if that wasn't self-explanatory, and all the light-up signage they have didn't tell you, like, it's pressurized. You're way up in the sky. Don't smoke. And for that matter, if you can't go rip a fat vape in the bathroom either. Just stop it. All in all, think of the airplane bathroom as a survival tool to be used when needed as you get from point A to point B. Because airline bathrooms are a blessing, are a blessing for sure. Especially when you need one. And I want you to know this, and this is probably the scariest part. There's no law stating that airlines have to have a bathroom on board. If the bathroom's out of order, the plane can still take off, and you just have to hold it. 
And this brings us to our destination. Fold up your seat back trays. Buckle in as we land the episode. You can connect with us on social media. We are at PrivyCast on social media. Follow us there. Share it with friends. Uh, We try to post some interesting highlight videos as well as some uh, pictures about the things that we talk about here. Send us an email, privycast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. Episode suggestions, feedback, those type things are welcomed. Leave us a rating or review. The five-star option is our preferred. iTunes is the best way to leave those reviews right now. And it just helps people find the show. When they go to podcasts and they search for bathrooms, hopefully it'll help them find that. Because you know they want to, or they don't. Uh, Spotify, I will note, is supposed to be working on getting a ratings option and and section put in. Uh, I don't know if that will be up by the time this episode comes out, but stay tuned. We'll see. Rumor is that they are working on that. But yeah, thank you for leaving us a rating and review. It is much appreciated. As always, we want to thank Kevin McLeod. For the use of Barroom Ballet as our intro and outro music, you can find Kevin's music at incompetech.org. Thanks, Kevin. This has been another episode of Privy, the first of 2022. Hope you have a happy new year. And as with every year and always, don't forget to flush. <laughs>